Welcome to the We Are Next podcast, advice and insight from all over the advertising industry to help you navigate your career with confidence. I'm Natalie Kim. And I'm Melissa Nielsen. I'm the lead digital strategist at 180 Los Angeles. And thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Natalie, and welcome to episode 59. I'm recording this intro on Sunday night from my hotel room in Brooklyn. Maybe you can hear some of the traffic noises in the background. Maybe not. (laughs) I have a huge week ahead of me in New York City. And if you want to come along as a travel buddy, you can do so by following along on my Instagram story. I'm going to be sharing a lot of behind the scenes things from my agency visits and podcast recordings and other fun things this week. Um, So I'll include the link in the show notes so you guys are able to do that. And as a quick note, the event at Firstborn, I told you guys had filled up. We are going to try to live stream it um, so you guys can check that out via the We Are Next Facebook page. And I'll also include that link in the show notes. Our guest this week is Alyssa Nielsen, digital strategist at 180 LA. She shared anecdotes from her non-traditional post-grad path into agency life and her recent move to LA from New York, which was anything but easy. Let's get to it. Enjoy. Thanks so much for having me. We're here at the end of the day <laughs> at the 180 LA office. I feel like this is a really long time coming. Like, Yeah, it, it is a really long time coming. I had so many delays with my move and so many unexpected turns. I literally couldn't schedule anything for the past six months. So Yeah, so originally, I don't know how you found We Are Next or how you originally got connected. Do you remember? Yeah, I actually remember very vividly. I was on LinkedIn one day just on my feed and I think I saw someone who I went to college with who's in advertising as well and like really like involved in MAPE he had reposted um someone that you'd featured like Mm -hmm. like the podcast and um I started listening to it at my desk at 72 because I thought it was really interesting and I listened to a few of the episodes and I was like that's so awesome and I just kind of followed and shared and then I think I emailed you I think you reached out Yeah, yeah yeah so that was maybe like seven months ago. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned at the time you were at 72 and Sunny in New York. Right, right. So we'll talk about your whole journey and what led you here. Totally. Um, But let's start even earlier in your career. I want to hear how you found advertising, how you made your way into the industry, how you got your start. It's kind of traditional, but not really. Um, I grew up in Houston, so there's really not much advertising there. And like my parents don't have creative careers, so I didn't really know what I wanted. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and I knew that around like maybe 14 or 15 that I was going to be limited in like actual college prospects because I just knew that I couldn't do like math or science and I just was never that type of a learner. Um, and I was particularly really good at just writing and presenting things. Um, and I think from there, either my mom or my dad just told me I had to go into communications. Like there was no alternative for me. Um, so I was like, okay, great. And I, as I started doing more actual college research, I looked into advertising uh, versus just communications because, um, you know, I was like, okay, I'm good at presenting. I like making PowerPoints. I like to like talk about things and I'm really good at writing. So I think like maybe one of those quizzes I took or something told me advertising <laughs> yeah. along the way. And I just, um, advertising kind of just found me and I just applied to college based on that Mm -hmm. and then when you were in school did you do any internships or like how did you make your way like how did you get your start in the actual industry right so I took my first advertising class my first year of college and I just knew from that moment that I wasn't going to change my major I was like okay I'm actually interested in this and um, I had a really good professor who kind of described advertising as an intersection of art and science. Mm-hmm. It's like a science and it's essentially creative problem solving. And I was really turned on by that. So 
Um, I, from there, actually wanted to be in PR, oddly. Like, I was going to get my advertising degree, but do PR. So I yeah. thought it was more flashy and cool. And I wanted to live in New York, and I knew that. So I wanted a fashion career, particularly. Mm. So that was kind of where I had my interest. But then I couldn't get any internships from Austin <laughs> in PR and in fashion PR. So... Um, my first internship was actually at a small liquor brand. Um, it's like a craft brand and it was literally like in the house of the founder, like <laughs> once a week, like very simple, like social media marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there I was like, I really want to get into an agency and Austin has a few, but they're few and far in between. It's not a really big town. So, um, however, our advertising program is huge. So it's really competitive to get an, a- an advertising internship in Austin and, I really wanted to end up at GSDNM for like the longest time. I wanted to graduate with that internship, um, which I eventually did, which was cool. But um, my first internship in advertising was at McGarrah Jesse in Austin, mm. and that was a strategy internship. So I wasn't a creative. I knew that, and I knew that from the most part, the alternative to creative was account. And then I applied for an account internship, but they gave me a strategy one. So that's when I was like, okay, this is kind of like account. Yeah. Um, and I liked it. So I went on from there. Good thing. Good yeah. Thing yeah. <laughs> you might have been on the account track for who knows how well, long. Well, I ended up still being on the account track. So we'll get into that later. But <laughs> yeah. um, I kind of thought they were the same and just like yeah. strategists did account, but like more research. And I, I, you know, it's an internship, so I didn't do much. Yeah. But um, I kind of observed like what my, my like supervisors were doing. And I was kind of like, oh, interesting. Like, I think it's cool to like kind of think about the plan mm-hmm. and like think about the actual media and all of that. So I was really intrigued by that. So what about your current role here as lead digital strategist at 180 LA? Can you tell me what, I mean, obviously every day is different, but like in a nutshell, like what are you responsible for here? Sure. So I am a digital engagement strategist, um, which I officially made the crossover to um, three weeks ago from just brand strategy. Uh, And it's been really exciting. I've always had a really big knack for digital and digital platforms and how brands can sort of utilize them Mm -hmm. to kind of just increase engagement and really connect with people. So um, my day to day right now is essentially being the point person for digital within the agency. So essentially making strategic recommendations to clients on how we can optimize um, certain platforms, maybe emerging platforms or existing platforms and social platforms as well, and how we can sort of, you know, take our overarching campaigns and essentially flesh them out on social and digital platforms Mm -hmm. um, in ways that maybe we hadn't thought about before. And essentially also, you know, making sure that we um, you know, optimize engagement with our segments and our audiences. So that's kind of really exciting to find those weird opportunities and those weird ways that brands can have a presence and that yeah. you wouldn't really think of in, in everyday life. But um, also working a lot with like research tools and social listening and um, like media and vendor partners and all of that. So yeah, it's really exciting. Do you like pop in and out of different accounts and obviously like for new business, like it sounds like you're kind of like the ninja that comes in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm very new, so I haven't done much yet. I'm just working on one of our bigger clients yeah. and then, um, that's the plan to yeah. eventually like move around and wherever I'm needed, just kind of make those recommendations. So, yeah. And hopefully, I mean, I feel like it's best when that sort of specialist is brought in like early in the process versus like oh we have a campaign like what can we do in digital right 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 yeah and it's it's really interesting I didn't realize how much I prefer digital until I started doing it full-time but I think 
I the the chances of me going back to just brand strategy are very slim at this point. Yeah. I, I really enjoy the digital side of things and the interactive media side of things. So it's been cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So you alluded to your move, and we uh, talked about it as I was walking in the door. Yeah. And I feel like it was an especially hectic like relocation right, right. experience. Yeah. Can you talk about it and specifically like your experience finding the right place for you here in LA? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So. <laughs> Um, my move was very intentional. I had thought about moving to LA for the first time, I think two years ago. Okay. Um, so I was maybe 23 when I first started to think about moving out of New York. I struggled so much in New York before I really landed at an agency that I actually liked, um, and that I could stay at and that it wasn't like a freelance job. And, um, I was just really tired from New York. I was exhausted from freelancing and trying to make ends meet. I had a really rough, like first year out of college. Yeah. So it just wore me out. And I was like, I want to go somewhere else. And, um, you know, I spent a lot of my life on the East Coast and I'm from Texas. And I don't know, I feel like I just had this strange curiosity about L.A. for a while. And Mm -hmm. um, I got my job at 72 and sunny in New York. And a lot of people would probably think that would mean like, oh, my God, I'm working for an L.A. agency. This could be my opportunity to move. Yeah. But I didn't approach it that way. It was more or less just like, okay, I have a new job in New York again, and I'm going to stay. I really like this agency. So I re-signed my lease and all of that and tried to shake the LA urge. And then um, it came back at like 24. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was like, okay, like maybe when I'm 25, I should move to LA and start off like the second half of my 20s in a new city. And um, I started spending time here and I just fell in love with it. So it was very intentional, but I knew going into the city that the agencies were just a lot slimmer um, than New York. And, you know, a lot of my friends made recommendations like to not come here because like there's not as much work and, um, you know, everything is auto and blah, blah. And I was really nervous about that for a while, but I made my way around town and like met people and talked to like a lot of like really amazing people. And um, I knew that I would have slim pickings in terms of where I wanted to work um, compared to New York. But uh, I kind of approached it like, okay, whoever can give me I guess that's the next step in my career, but also like it was more so a personal thing. I wanted a lifestyle change and I wanted to be outdoors and um, have a change of pace in my overall life. So I wanted to kind of corroborate that with my career. And for me, I ended up at a shop that was um, horrid for the first time. And uh, I love my job in New York so much. So leaving was really hard for me. And then uh, the first day of my new job in LA, I just knew like I'd done something wrong. Like I was like, I can't believe that I gave up my life in New York for this. Um, It was horrible, like all over the place, really small. I had only Skype interviewed, so I wasn't able to really gauge the agency that well. Um, And on the first day I knew I was gonna start looking for a job again. And (laughs) I was like, I can't believe I like left my apartment and my like job and all of that and spent so much money moving. And I literally called my dad and he asked me on my first day, he was like, how's your new job? And I was like, the first thing I said was, it's not 72. And I just felt in that moment like, oh my gosh, I have to fix this. And I naturally just, I didn't actually get around to applying for new jobs. I actually got reached out to by 180 at the same time because I hadn't really like updated anything yet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think, you know, it's hard in this industry because you're so afraid when you're young to like burn bridges and all of that. But at the same time, I had a really rocky start to my career in which I was laid off twice in a Mm -hmm. row. And I think that kind of desensitizes you a little bit. It's kind of like 
you know, you have to play smart. And I knew that staying at that agency was not going to help me at all or yeah. grow me at all. So um, I made the, I guess, executive decision to leave. And yeah. uh, 180 just kind of fell into my lap. And it was amazing. It was yeah. just like a natural connection. And I really liked the team here and the stage the agency was in and the place it was in. And I was like, okay, this is kind of more aligned with what I want. And I just kind of made the decision to jump which is wild yeah Yeah. it's been a wild like six weeks (laughs) (laughs) so the I feel like it's such a great lesson though because I think you're right I think a lot of people especially when they're just starting out are very nervous to like you said burn bridges or to like admit that right you know they're in the wrong place and and I feel like it's more common than people think I mean maybe not to the extent that you felt like we're like day one you're like oh my god I can't do this but like you know, you start if you're in an internship or something, you get an right. internship. Maybe it's not that big of a deal because you're gonna leave after you know yeah. the ten weeks or whatever. But yeah. you know your first job, and once the like rose colored glasses come off, you're like there's certain realities about exactly, exactly. And for me, like I have very traditional parents. I think my dad has had maybe like three jobs my whole life. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know. It's hard because I was like, Dad, I have to leave like ASAP. And he was like, what? Like, yeah. you know? Um, but I was like, I'm going back on LinkedIn to look for a job. I'm going to apply and like email a lot of people that I had conversations with because I was job searching for so long in New York from remote. And I don't know. For me, it was just like, I have to undo this. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like with this industry, like, my first instinct was okay I have to stay for maybe like eight months because that's what everyone says like we have to do like eight to twelve months and I I don't know I'm not really one for standards like that I feel like you know things happen like I said I uh you know I had a really rough patch like after college I moved to New York without a job because I figured I would get one and then I couldn't get into the industry as easily as I wanted to um and then my last job was amazing like the best experience probably of my career so far and uh, I worked with some of my best friends and I did some of my like proudest work and culture was such a big integral part of my experience there and um, such a progressive agency as well that I knew that maybe I've shot myself in the foot and it's going to be hard to top that but mm-hmm. I personally am a huge advocate for like wherever you work you're spending maybe 40 to 50 hours a week there and you should actually enjoy where you go every day yeah. and I you know that's just the bottom line for me yeah and I mean, I mean, everyone should aim to like work at the most amazing place, like right. amazing for them. It might be different for different people, but, and not to say like people should like put themselves in situations that are like less good or not right, what they right. want, but I'm sure, you know, whatever situation you're in now, you're like, it's, is different, but you're learning, it's pushing you in like different ways. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like being out of the context of like your best experience ever, like obviously like it's amazing and you had that. But it's like putting yourself now into this situation and in the larger like context like Los Angeles, which you know drew right. you in so much, and like what that's how that's feeding you and yeah, how that's yeah. growing you. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's a matter of you know this industry is such a revolving door industry, and yeah. I think you know you have to play smart, like really smart. And I was there, and I, I literally was at a point where I was like, I don't know if I can come back next week. It's, like, that bad. Yeah. Um, and then I had an amazing phone call at 180, and I was like, perfect. They weren't even, like, on my radar or talking to me. Um, and, you know, it just kind of worked out. But I think, you know, with jobs, it's tough because once you reach a certain place in your career and you get more wiggle room and more of a say of where you work. I remember when I first left college, I couldn't get a job. And my dad was like, you take what you get until, you know, you can take what you want. Yeah. And 
I, I did that for a long time and it did not work for me at all. Yeah. Um, I was miserable and I had to like do all these passion projects to like really literally like make myself happy. And um, my last job was the polar opposite of that. And I just, once you have that, you just don't want to never have that again. Mm. Um, you know, advertising is supposed to be fun. I think it's supposed to be inspiring. It's supposed to be um, something that makes you excited. I, I never had a, had a job like recently where I'm just like, oh, I hate being here. I yeah. hate, like I'm not inspired by any of these people. And I, I don't know, I think it requires a level of passion that a lot of fields don't. Mm. And so my dad, who's like an engineer, giving me that advice, like, no, I have to be passionate at work or else I can't work. Right. Um, so it's a priority for me. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, kind of a rougher start, like to the start of your career. Right. And oh, strategy, and I know you you do, you in the past have done both strategy and account management. Yeah. But I want to focus on strategy for a second because I think of all the roles, it is – one of the harder ones to get into yeah, for, yeah. for several reasons. So I wanted to run through some like kind of rapid fire questions um, mm-hmm. revolving around advice for young strategists. Yeah. You mentioned like passion projects and like, you know, building their portfolios. What do you think? Um, and you know, some I've talked to different strategists and some are like strategists need portfolios. Other ones are like what we do oftentimes doesn't articulate itself as like yeah. something you put in portfolio. I'd love yeah. to hear your advice on that. Um, so both. I mean, I've done stuff that can't be put on a website, like NDA stuff and yeah. just like brand planning. Um, but I have a website personally and I've always had one just because I've always liked to put what I do out there, um, even if it's not advertising. So it depends. I'm, I get a lot of resumes and a lot of people reach out to me for advice and, you know, I want to be a strategist or I, I'm a creative and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I see a lot of websites actually now, like with younger people, like people that are like maybe 21, 22. And um, a lot of them are into strategy and they have briefs on their website or, you know, make believe case studies. And I think that's amazing because um, it can really highlight your thinking and that's kind of what you need to do when you're at that stage of your career especially in strategy Mm -hmm. um so for me i guess my biggest advice for starting out in strategy when it comes to building a portfolio is just like don't be afraid to go and pick brands that you like or that you're inspired by i mean i would stay away from like the nikes and the apples (laughs) uh, like the standard brands that everyone wants to work on but i think if you can pick random brands that inspire you and rethink them Mm -hmm. or just write a brief and I don't know I used to really be into digital which is great that I actually am into it now but I used to have this page on my website a long time ago called free ideas and it was kind of corny and like I don't want anyone to like think this is what you have to do but it was literally a tab on my website where I literally had different logos of brands that inspired me like Patagonia like mm-hmm. Shabani I think I had Foot Locker like I wanted to have a variety of brands um, that were big but not in your face big and at the time I had Lyft and it was a brand new like emerging like new economy brand and now it's taken over but um I just kind of thought about ways in which those brands could connect with like current events and with people and I just wrote these random briefs and ideas and like ways in to activate around these brands and I don't know I just wanted to show that I could think in different ways and around different brands and like use different platforms and you know not just do like on Facebook this brand should do this it was more so like on Giphy this brand could do this or like just random things like that and um, I think just showing your thinking is probably the most important thing and if it has to be on a website I think that's probably the easiest way to share your thinking as well I would email this page to people and I remember just like talking to strategists and 
hiring managers and HR people and like linking to that website when I would like email them. So I think it's just a way to really highlight like how you think. And um, I don't know, I think creativity is so important, even in strategy. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I'm a really creative strategist personally. So for me, like my website is I designed it myself. I It's kind of just me. So I think it's a good way to kind of show who you are as well, as well as like other things that you do. And um, I remember hearing from someone a long time ago that advertising is one of the few industries where it really matters to be just as interesting as you are interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I always tell people who email me and reach out or like I get tweets from people like, when can I, can I talk to you? And, you know, I, make, I have phone calls all the time with like really young people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I'm not young, but for, <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, it's just like be interesting. That's probably the best thing to do is you know, be a good thinker, be curious, be really into culture, but that can't be it. You know, you have to bring something else to the table. And um, I get like websites with people who like, you know, I'm a chef and here are some recipes. And it's like, it's just, it's interesting and it makes you kind of lean into them. And um, I don't know, I find that like in other fields, like probably banking or, you know, something like that, like people don't care if you're interesting as long as mm-hmm. you're interested in banking and you can right. like do the actual work. But advertising really operates uh, off of people who are interesting and yeah. that's how you bring ideas to the table and how you push for ideas and, and how you collaborate is being interesting and having that like diverse uh, point of view and that diverse perspective. It's really important. I always think like, I think that's a really great point. I've never heard it put that way, but I love yeah. it. Um, I think for students, it's like, come especially like new grads, it's right. really hard because unless you're naturally like like you said the the example of like someone who's a chef part-time or like yeah. you know like stoking these kind of like other things outside it's one i feel like it's not intuitive like in school cuz you're like i'm on a track yeah. i'm studying this all my right. extracurriculars are this and that's great too like that's experience quote unquote um in preparation for the industry but you know what you're saying is this like other thing that like makes you you cool yeah it's like and it's hard i think because like if you don't have that then like what do you do do you have to like go out don't do that (laughs) um i okay so that's actually a good point i have met people who especially when i was at 72 i mean the amount of emails i would get would be like i'd have to archive them and respond to them at one point it was crazy sure just working there you just you get inundated with emails from people which is fine yeah um and i actually appreciated it versus like some other people who would get annoyed by it like or whatever but (laughs) For me, I think I would talk to young young people and a lot of them subscribe to this idea that in advertising, okay, so this kind of might be contrary to what I just said, but a lot of people subscribe to this idea that you have to be like a slashy and have all these different like side hustles and that's good, but I think um, sometimes it can get to a point, there's like a fine line where yeah. it's kind of like, okay, well like, can you do this? Like, or, yeah. you know, that's kind of the most important thing. So I wouldn't, you know, do things just for the sake just of, for the sake of doing them yeah. yeah I mean I I personally have a really non-traditional background and um, I can get into that like later on but for me it was and wasn't until I actually got my job at 72 that I felt empowered by my background mm-hmm. um, whereas when I was interning and like interviewing after like my internships at like very corporate agencies I was so embarrassed by my background yeah. I like I never wanted to talk about it like I didn't want to talk about my retail job or because I just thought, okay, like I need to be like the strategist and like, that's it. You know, right. I, I went to school at UT Austin. I did this internship. Let's only talk about that. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to like, I work on the sales floor at Barney's and I, you know, I'm also a painter and I used to be a model when I was younger and like, how do those things shape my perspective? Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think if you do have a really cool story, the right agency will really care. Cause it wasn't until I worked at 72 where that was, 
brought up in an interview when I was first interviewing there and I was like oh shit like I'm not gonna get this job like they're gonna hate me for having all of these different like like a confusing background and um one of my dear friends there who's a creative recruiter who I was interviewing with she was like that's amazing that's so cool that you've had these experiences and that you've worked in luxury retail because you know how to talk to people you know how to sell things and um with modeling you probably traveled which was true and I was younger and um, just like, I don't know, she was like, we have a, a strategist here who was a line cook for 10 years and we really value, you know, that diverse, that diversity of perspective and, mm-hmm. and of background. And I was like, oh, there are places that actually care about that. Right. Um, so it just depends on where you are. And I think if you're at a place where they actually care about that, you're so lucky. Yeah. Um, cause it really does matter later on. So yeah, it's tough. I wouldn't force it, but I know I wouldn't like force making a blog where you just talk about stuff just for the sake of talking about it, I think. But it's just good to kind of know that I don't think you should be ashamed of your background, especially yeah. in strategy where it kind of matters for you to be diverse and, and have a diverse way of thinking. Yeah, definitely. Um, so speaking of diversity, the next kind of topic area I wanted to touch on mm-hmm. was diversity in the industry overall. Um, and one thing in my conversations with other people in the industry that has repeatedly come up is the lack of mid to senior level uh, talent of color, which yeah. leaves kind of like younger talent of color without anyone who really understands their experience or can right. support like them in a very like unique way. Yeah. What has been your experience in the industry as a woman of color, mm-hmm. um, still kind of on the earlier side of your career? Yeah. Um, well, I'm at that point now where I've, where I've worked for a few years and I do have some friends who have dropped off and gone client side and uh, you do start to see it trickle down yeah. to like, oh, there's no advancement for me in my agency. Or, and, you know, that's a sad reality and I hope that changes really, really early, uh, uh, really soon. But I think for me, I've never had a big issue with diversity. I mean... 72 and Sunny is kind of where I really started my career. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of one-off jobs prior to that and freelance and et cetera, but that was my first full-time advertising yep. agency postgraduate job. And they have a really cool commitment to diversity that's like been out there. And and I, I don't know, I, I worked on an account with several women of color, so that made me feel really empowered. But um, I think for me, the biggest shock value for me getting out of school was when I started interviewing Mm. and I would never see anyone who looked like me on the Mm. other end of the table. And I was like, Oh, this is real. Um, Mm. so I don't know. I think the biggest thing that you can do when you're young, um, is actually just know that if you're in the room, you're in the room for a reason. And I think, I don't want to say that we should subscribe to like nepotism necessarily, but I think it's important to know that no matter how junior you are, if you're in the building, there's someone outside of the building that you can bring in um, who mm-hmm. may reach out to you. And it's important that you don't graduate from a place of like wanting to help other people. I don't know. I find I find that I was junior and um, I would tweet about like openings and I would get so many responses and I would just pass them to HR, you know, and like this person seems qualified and they probably really need this, this sort of experience. And, um, you know, it, you don't have to be a senior executive to, you know, be networked with. Yeah. I think if you're a coordinator, you know, if you're in the room, there's people who will, who will get value from you kind of passing them along or right, helping right. them or talking to them. And, and it'll, it'll give you imposter syndrome too. Cause I would get like <laughs> these phone call requests from people and I would be like, 
I'm only a coordinator at the time. Like, yeah. I don't know how to help you. Like, I literally six months ago couldn't find a job myself. And I was embarrassed <laughs> to say. But I think, you know, once you, you know, ride the elevator up, you should send it back to the lobby. My mom used to always tell me that. And <laughs> it's true. It. It's very true. Um, and a lot of the time, networking is done peer to peer and not necessarily through like a mentor or someone much older. And I think uh, the, the best thing you can do when you're early off in your career and you're a woman of color, a person of color is just know that once you get in the building, it's not your duty necessarily, but it is something that you can do to help other people who um, may be younger than you or, yeah. you know, want to meet for coffee. And um, I just think that extending yourself in that way is important and it helps to kind of bring in more people. And it does get unfortunate because then one thing that I would notice is agencies are very diverse at the bottom, yeah. right? You have a lot of like diverse like AEs and junior strategists and that's like good and nice, but it's like then you look up to the C-suite and no one looks like you or even just like seniors or, you know, mm -hmm. mid-level people and it's scary. I think it's daunting and um, I don't know. I don't really know if like having an agency full of diverse like assistant account executives is really diversity because yeah. they're not making the decisions and it's hard uh, to say because it's better than nothing. Yeah. But I think... I, I don't know. I think just knowing that you have to bring people along. And I think a lot of agencies have to address, you know, the director level. That's important. Um, once you have directors who are of color, I mean, just doors open for everybody else. Yeah. And that's just the truth. And people will be more inspired to apply, to reach out, um, to interview. And I think that's when you solve the problem, too, at the same time. So it, it's tough. I think what you're saying is really empowering for um, like those at the junior level and just yeah. starting out that because we always think about it from the and it, it is a reality like from the side of okay I'm in the door like you said I look up there's no one that looks like me or your experience right. like the person across the table like no one looks like me like wh you know what is the reality yeah. or you get in and you realize you had to essentially like play the hunger games just to get your job <laughs> yeah. whereas the person next to you maybe just like got it through, right. a through like a referral or, or through their parents. I mean it's, it's crazy like yeah and yeah. I'm mean, that was a, a really hard pill for me to swallow when I started off I was like wow I just went through a year of applying for jobs to get this job and like the person next to me might maybe doesn't care as much right. or you know doesn't work as hard or they just kind of got here without right. even like having experience in advertising it, it was actually like whoa like this is real yeah. um but I think yeah I mean I personally am very like I have a big affinity for this because in particular my job at 72 and sunny was given to me through a referral through a junior who's actually now my really good friend and mm -hmm. I didn't know her like mm -hmm. at all like she was just a LinkedIn connection and mm -hmm. I was at a place where I was winded from freelancing and having money one month and not the next month and um, I was calling home for help all the time and like I was just living the Brooklyn struggle life and yeah. I was like I'm tired of this I yeah. I'm, I can live in Texas and have a better life you know work in Austin whatever and um I was about to leave New York at that point, and I just got laid off from one of my jobs that I had that was a full-time job, and it was the first time I got a job that wasn't freelance, that wasn't advertising. Um, so my first job to go back after school was, I did some freelance work, like some like social media coordinator freelance jobs for like different brands, but not agencies. Mm -hmm. And um, I actually launched a strategy consultancy brand myself that was cool. just like, a freelance brand that I created called um, LFNY and it was crazy. I don't know how I made any money off that, but it was just, 
essentially like PR, but brand strategy as well. So I would actually get like press clips and press like placements and charge clients for that. But they're all really small clients Mm -hmm. like Instagram emerging brands that didn't know anybody or know how to get into like articles. (laughs) That was like something I thought that I could do. And I did for like six months. Uh, And then I ended up at Nylon Magazine and influencer marketing. So not in advertising, Mm -hmm. uh, but I knew, okay, I have an advertising degree. I want to be in an agency. Um, and I freelanced at Young and Rubicam. At, that was like my first postgraduate freelance advertising agency job. And then I got yeah. an actual job at a beauty agency in Tribeca. And then as soon as I like got onboarded, I was laid off. Like it was like a, a three month thing. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and I was at that point, like, I have to go back to tech. I can't do this anymore. And, you know, I can go to my parents' house for, I don't know. I was just thinking all over the place. And, um, I actually posted a status on LinkedIn, which is so embarrassing in hindsight, but I posted on LinkedIn and I was like, if anyone knows of any jobs, like account or strategy, like let me know. And um, a girl who at the time was just one of my connections, I guess, just through being a person of color in advertising, she sent me a like a message and she was like, hey, I work at 72 and Sunny, would you be interested? And I was like, of course, like yeah. who isn't interested in 72 and Sunny? And um, we just got to emailing and then the next thing I knew I had an interview and um, we became very good friends thereafter. So, uh, and she was a coordinator. So, you know, it's really important to know that like you can literally, if you're in the right shop, like referrals can be made at any level. Yeah. And um, if you get, if you meet someone who needs some help or, or, or is, you know, worthy of, I guess, the referral, like it's just something that you can always do. Yeah, that the power, like you have a little bit of the power to change the situation. Right. And and before you know it, I mean, obviously there are years, I mean, you work for years yeah. in the industry, but eventually like you turn, you look around and realize like, oh, I am the like mid-level. I mean, if, you, if you're able to stick right, it out. Right, right, right. And it, it, I think it varies too with different agencies. I'm sure that like a lot of traditional agencies, like a creative director has more of referring power than like, you know, a junior creative or whatever. But I know that at 72, it didn't really matter. It was kind of like, if you're, you know, an assistant here or like an admin, if you refer somebody, like we'll meet with them at the very least. So it's like, you have that ball in your court. You can really Mm -hmm. do stuff with it if you really care, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that thought. Yeah. When we, this is kind of along the same line, but I think when we think about like other I won't say issues, but things that are true about the industry today and where we'd like to see the industry go. We like look to the people at the head of agencies and like on the C-suite and stuff like that. But I think there's, like you said, around the diversity issue, I think there is a lot of power that lies within people just starting their careers. Yeah. What's, is there anything else that you hope for the next generation of this industry and like what they'll be able to do for the industry? Um, Diversity. That's the biggest hope I have yeah. for like going forward in advertising. Um, it's strange when I was struggling to find a job at first in New York, I just stopped applying for jobs at one point and I was like, I'm just going to reach out to people and just talk to people yeah. um, instead of doing like, applications endlessly every day. So I got through this weird phase where I was like, I have nothing to lose at this point. I'm working my job at Barney's and making a commission, right? So I don't really need a job, but I would love to just get into the industry at yeah. the right place at the right time. And um, something just directed me to reach out to Doug Melville at TBWA, which is strange. Um, but he's a chief diversity officer and, um, he took my email and we had a meeting and I was like really nervous about it because I really wanted a job, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but I didn't want to ask. Right. Uh, so I was kind of like just asking for advice to get a job versus like asking for a job to get Directly. advice. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I met with him and 
I actually was so inspired by his job. I was like, I want to be a chief diversity officer someday. Like, that's what I want to do, diversity. Like, maybe I shouldn't be a strategist. Maybe I should just get into HR um, because I've had this hard experience and trying to get into this industry. How can I make it easier for other people right. and, and kind of pay it forward? And um, we had this really long talk. I don't know if you will remember, but it was like a two hour conversation where he was like, you're going to get a job. Yeah. Like you're not going to be looking for a job for forever. And, um, he actually inspired me to, I guess, highlight my background. And, you know, he had a, a non-traditional background as well. And he was like, you know, I think the future of advertising is just people being themselves and being more authentic. And, um, I, I do hope the industry gets more diverse, um, and I think that won't happen overnight. But I think with agencies kind of committing to that, it's it's important that you know those changes are made uh, for people like me who are only 25 who want to stay in this business yeah. um, to be able to stay in it. And I think uh, I don't know. I just want people to get more, I guess, progressive and innovative, and I want people who are applying for jobs to know that they can bring a lot to the table versus just the traditional resume and background. And I think that's already happening. But I think uh, as we look to a, a, the future in advertising, I think a lot of recruitment efforts have to change, yeah. um, you know, whether it be like recruiting from different classes or schools or backgrounds. Um, I think that's going to have to change just to get more of a diverse perspective and like get cooler work out there in agencies. Mm -hmm. And I think that is slowly happening, but I want it to happen uh, just for the better, you know? Yeah. I have a lot of conversations with people on the recruiting side about yeah. that exactly about like recruiting practices and how, you know, how to make them you know, more diverse. And right. one of the things, and I think you're right, like it fundamentally needs to change, especially on the internship entry level. Oh yeah. Because, um, you know, what some people say is like, you know, you like in con conceptually, it's like, yes, you want like diverse talent, but right. then you go to someone like a hiring manager or so, like someone who's hiring for their team and you give them like five resumes yeah. and like telling them, okay, maybe don't pick the person with the most experience or who went to school for advertising or yeah. like can do the most stuff. I mean, the way we look at internships right now is like kind of like cheaper labor, you know, right, to right. like help out for the summer. And of course it's like a learning opportunity and experience, but yeah. with those um, parameters today, like you're always going to choose the person that needs the least oversight because it's like less on your plate, yeah, <laughs> you, know, you, yeah. you get the most help. And so, you know, like, I think you're totally right. Like, you know, reframing what an intern, the purpose of an internship that, you know, it is really more of a training program right, and like right. feeding off of people's potential versus like, how much help can we get yeah. for like the next three months? Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget when I graduated college with like four internships and I was getting offered internships yeah. and not jobs. I was like, are you serious? Um, yeah. I have to pay my rent. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know. It's hard to talk about internships. I think um, I'm not that far removed from my internship days, but I think it can be really hard. I get a lot of young people reaching out to me telling me like, you know, I'm too qualified for an internship, yeah. but like, I don't feel like I have a choice. Yeah. Um, is it worth it? Like they're asking me for like strategic guidance on like whether or not I'm like, I don't know your situation, but it depends on where, I don't know. It's, it's a hard thing to, it's a hard egg to crack because you want to get in the door, but you also don't want to just kind of market yourself as someone who can't do an entry level job. And I don't know for me, it was, it was just, tiresome getting those offers of like oh like we have an internship available and I'd be like I can't do this I, I have to you know have a salary and uh I, I don't know it can be really tough I think mm -hmm. starting off with that sort of like 
hurdle. It's unfortunate that like the people's like first step in the door can yeah not, can be kind of sometimes the hardest part. Right, right. I mean, it's it's a notoriously hard industry to get into, and I didn't know that when I decided to study it. But I think. Um, you then start having to go do other things, right? Like for me, it was like, okay, I can't get into an agency in New York. So like I have to work where I can work. Yeah. And, and for me, that was like social media jobs in house or um, at Nylon where I was working in like influencer strategy. And um, I love that. But then I was like, oh, I'm getting further and further away from advertising. And I don't want to have to go work at another magazine or right. whatever, you know? So, um, then I was like, okay, I'm like messing up my career before it even starts. How am I ever going to get into an ad agency? So again, I think it's a, a matter of the right agency will value that experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like, I used to tell like my friends that like jobs are kind of like dating, yeah. like the right person will like actually click with you and care about what you bring to the table and the wrong people won't. And that's just kind of how companies work. And I think, you know, I would go into interviews after I talked to Doug and he like inspired me to talk talk about art and like my painting and all of my hobbies. And I would go into interviews and talk about those things. And some people would kind of look at me crazy. Like you run a company, how are you ever going to be serious about this job? You know, how are we going to work you 60 hours a week, you know, into the ground when you're, you're so independent, you know, you're so self-sufficient. And um, I was like, they're right. Like, I shouldn't be this self-sufficient at 22. I should definitely just be interested in getting a job and doing these, like, going through the motions of getting into the, into the door. And I think um, I was literally running a consultancy at the time. And I had, like, a website and business cards. And, um, you know, I literally was doing actual work for myself. And I don't know how I did it. Looking back, it was it's bizarre. But... Um, at one point I literally took my name off my site and from my company and I didn't want anyone to be able to Google it. I, I literally tried to hide it. Uh, it got that bad. I was like, maybe this is why I'm not getting a job because I essentially have one already. Uh, and, uh, I just took my name off the bio and I made it so that no one could Google it. And, um, then I got featured in an article about it and I was like, now everyone's going to be able to Google this. It's going to be horrible. And, and I, I think that probably did happen. I think there are probably companies that were like, oh, she's kind of all over the place. And right. we kind of want someone who's just more of a, like a robot and wants to work here all day, every day and do nothing else. And um, it's tough because I am a huge advocate for people coming to the table with that sort of experience. Um, and But I know that a lot of companies aren't. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, when I got to 72, I... I remember my interview, I was so tired of interviewing. I didn't really care, (laughs) which sounds bizarre. Like who interviews at 72 and something does not care. But I literally, I remember I went to my interview wearing Air Maxes. I did not care about the interview. I was like, I'm just going to do it. Um, They told me there was no dress code and I took it to heart and I just went how I was, I was dressed. And um, I remember the first thing that stood out to me was the first person who interviewed me. It was like a a four person panel, sort of a 30 minute interval thing. And the first person who interviewed me, who ended up being my strategy director, took my resume and flipped it over and didn't look at it (laughs) um, on purpose. And I was confused. I was like, I've done so many interviews. Like I'm literally a professional interviewee. Why isn't she looking at my my resume? It's cute. I designed it well. Um, and I literally like looked at her do that and she saw me looking at it and she was like, I don't need to know about what's on here. Like, let's just have a conversation. And I was like, whoa, like what, what? Like, and, um, she was like, well, HR has already talked to you. If you're in here, I'm assuming that you have experience and you can work here. So what do you like to do? And I was like, amazing. I'm going to talk to her about my art and like music and, um, my company and things that I've done in the past two years that are actually really valuable. And, um, 
I talked to her about like traveling and the world and we had a phenomenal conversation and it yeah. actually went over the, the time period and then I noticed everyone else kind of did the same sort of approach and yeah. um, now I do that I'm like I don't really care to know about like your in, your internship or like your last job it's more so like can you talk about culture? Can you talk about the world? Are you curious about those things? You know, do you have any hobbies? What are your favorite brands and why? So let's wrap up with the best piece of advice that you've ever been given. So yeah, for me, it was, you know, when I was trying to get into strategy for the first time, um, I started taking a lot of meetings with strategists and like within the agency I was working at, but also outside of it. And I wanted to kind of get a perspective from like a lot of different people who were really like big in strategy and had big names. And I would just blanket message on LinkedIn, like CSOs that I thought were really cool. Yeah. And, um, they all would take my message and meet with me and that's really amazing. But I talked to Rob Campbell actually from Deutsch, um, and he told me, we had a really long conversation about strategy and planning and like the future of planning and what it really means to be a good planner and not mm. just a planner. And he told me that strategy is not a desk job. It's the only job in an agency that, you, you know, you shouldn't be at your desk all the time. And it sounds bizarre, but in theory, it just means that your experiences really matter and you should go out and see the world and, and listen to what people are talking about and know what's going on and be as informed as possible to really add value. Mm -hmm. Um, and that comes from, you know, the hours outside of the workday. Um, and that experience is, is, is so important. So never take that for, for granted. Yeah. I love that. The more like stimuli we can expose ourselves to, I yeah. think it just like feeds feeds your thinking it yeah. feeds like you know your thought process and how you could really sort of lean into really good creative and really be a part of it um and also really know what what culture is is talking about and digesting right. and um how to connect with that is, is probably the most important thing awesome i love that thank you so much this was so fun i think we got into like so many different <laughs> different topics and I, I like that we went really deep um, on a couple of them so yeah. thank you for taking the time of course where can people keep up with you yeah I can be kept up with on LinkedIn which is just Alyssa Nielsen and also on social which my handles are all the same and that's at Alyssa Nielsen on everything awesome well we'll link it directly on the episode page so people can can connect with you perfect all along awesome thank you so much cool thanks Natalie Huge thank you to Alyssa for being so open about her experiences and for all the learnings that she's passed along. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. I can't for the life of me figure out how to turn off the mini bar so it stops humming in the background. <laughs> I'm Natalie, and until next time, you got this.